Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I want to share something that I, I, I um, flirted with two weeks ago before taking off, and then I even got into it a little bit in our financial meeting. And um, we're going to talk about just um, briefly, or, or however long the Lord wants us to go in this, or how deep he wants us to go into this, sharing about the law of tithe and the grace that is manifested in offering. The law of tithe and the grace that is manifested in offering. But this really has nothing to do, well, it has everything to do with tithe and offering, but it's deeper than just monetary tithe and offering, okay? Hopefully you got a revelation in your tithing and in your giving of tithe and offering, but you're going to see what I'm talking about today. The title of this message would be a, a life of offering. It's a life that is a life of offering, and that's, that's, that's important, and you'll see what I mean and what I, what I, what I, what I want to digest by one statement that I wrote down. I want us to get this. I want us to get that what the Lord establishes um, in tithe and what he established in tithe and continues in, in tithe and offering in this monetary form, in this, in, in this giving, it also has a lot to do with teaching us about our spiritual condition. I really believe that. I believe that a lot of giving deals as well with our spiritual condition. Just with this one statement in which the manner in how you give, that deals with your spiritual condition. You could give with a bitter heart, or you could give with a cheerful heart. You know what I'm saying? You could, you could um, give what belongs to the Lord, or Malachi says, or you could rob from the Lord. So, so what I'm trying to say is a lot of it deals where what's really happening within you spiritually. Another way that we could be say, say this, or ha- as we've been saying it throughout the Sundays, is this, that the law of tithe and the grace that is manifested in giving, it's showing us the manner in which our devotion is gripped. We've been talking a lot about gripped. This is not necessarily a gripped message, but I think every message is a gripped message. So here is where it all started with, and I want to begin with this thought that I wrote down, and we're going to be repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. It's going to come up on the screen as well. We'll read it together. It says this, Can we be accustomed <clears throat> to be living a life of a tithe? in which we give just a tenth to the Lord, where we think just as in monetary forms, that the tithe is obedience, offering, sacrifice, and our giving to the Lord. But in reality, it's the offering and not the tithe that is the true act or the true expression of worship. So what I, what I want to share here is, and I mean, you could really grab everything that I speak on today and really focus it in, in a monetary uh, message. Um, you, could, you could really um, examine yourself in your giving. The Bible does talk about giving. I'm, I've learned not to be scared to be a pastor and speak about giving. <laughs> okay? I've gotten rebuked many times by many people saying, dude, stop being scared to preach on giving. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll preach more on it. So I'm not really scared anymore to preach on giving. But So if you get the revelation on giving financially, what it is, a tithe and offering, amen. That's what we want you to get. But I'm praying that this message goes even, because you're doing a, a faithful and obedient job in your tithing and offering, that it goes deeper than just the physical tithe and offering of your finances, but it's also a spiritual tithe and offering of your inner man. Okay. Let me read it one more time. Can we be accustomed to be living a life of a tithe in which we give just a tenth to the Lord, 
a life of a tenth to the Lord where we think just as in monetary forms that the tithe is obedience, offering, sacrifice, and even our giving to the Lord. But in reality, it's the offering and not necessarily the tithe that is the true act or even the true expression of worship. When we speak about tithes, when we speak about offering in this form of, of money, uh, finances, etc., we need to be educated in it because we're going to grab this stuff and twist it and talk about our lives, not necessarily money. But we must be educated with the phrase and what the teaching of it is and, and all that stuff, the similarities of it, the differences of it. You'll, you'll see some, some definitions in, in a minute on the screen. But they're both acts of giving. Whether it's a tithe or an offering, it's both acts of giving. Whether it's a tithe or an offering, they're clearly taught in Scripture. They're both given unto the Lord. Okay, they're both, it's, it's, it's all over Scripture. So we could go on and on and on how everything about tithe and offering is a form of giving. But they're also significantly different. And, and you'll see some definitions. The word tithe in the Hebrew, for example, you have the Hebrew and, and, and it's however you want to pronounce it, machara. It's a tenth. Okay, it means a tenth. In the Greek, the same exact definition, right? To give, not a tenth. Okay, my notes say tenth. My notes say tenth. But, but it's not a tenth. To give a tenth. I mean, you could give a tenth, but there you go. <laughs> Magic. This is magical, man, how that stuff happens. But... But it's to give a tenth, and the Greek is the same definition. So it's to give a tenth, a tenth of everything that comes in. We see in Scripture um, where, where the tenth animal was given to the Lord, a tenth of the grain was given to the Lord. Um, the tenth was saved out of, out of everything that was given. It was given to the Levites, and the Levites would distribute it as was and would offer, also offer it up into the tabernacle. I mean, all over Scripture, we see tithe um, originating in the Old Testament. The word offering, here's definitions of offering. In the Hebrew, again, chorban, <laughs> um, something that is brought near, like a sacrificial present. In the Greek, um, prosphora is a presentation, a sacrifice. Notice the difference in the definitions. Notice that tithe is a tenth and it's to give 10% or whatnot. An offering is you bring this near, but it comes from a form of a sacrifice. Or it comes from sacrifice. A tenth is just bring the tenth to the Lord. Offering is let it come from sacrifice. Two totally different biblical descriptions. That is why you hear people say, and now we're going to collect tithes and offering. You, see, you hear things like that. Because there are two different things, yet they're both giving. But they're two different forms of giving. One is from a sacrificial place. One is give the tenth. <laughs> give, Rudy, you messed me up with the tenth. Give the tenth to the Lord. It's good to be home, amen? I'm not lying. It's really good. I preached in Ohio like a 25-minute message. Whatever, if you've never been to Ohio and called Yorksville, Ohio, you'll never understand that. But Miami, Florida, I'll go an hour here. We'll talk about food and you'll get it. Totally different. Totally different. So, so sake of time here. Genesis 14, if you were here that Wednesday, you, you got this. But I won't just stop here. I'll keep going. You saw Abraham. Abraham is giving a tithe. And it goes as early on from, from Genesis 14. Uh, there's, a, there's a man called Melchizedek who is known as the king of Salem. And he was described as the high priest of God. Don't have the time to describe Melchizedek and all the different ideas of who he might be and can be. But king of Salem, Melchizedek, he comes to Abraham and he blesses Abraham. And Abraham in return, what he does, not just one time, but what he does to the king of, um, of Salem called Melchizedek, it said that Abraham would give a tenth of all to Melchizedek. 
And Melchizedek would offer it up to the Lord. He was the high priest. And Abraham in Genesis 14 would do that. I know for a fact the father of our faith, Abraham, and the, fa the father of many faiths, Abraham, and the father of the Jewish people, Abraham. I know for a fact that Abraham taught his children about tithing. I know that 100%. Because we see that his children tithe. And his children would give a tenth to the Lord. As a matter of fact, not only Isaac, but let's go even deeper. Because if your grandchildren are doing it, then you're doing a really good job in leaving a legacy. You're doing a really good job. If, if your grandchildren are still following the same Lord, that you're, you did a good job. Because that, that reverence went down from your son to your son's children. Amen? So we see that um, Jacob, he's one time in the house of the Lord. It's called, it's called Bethel. And he's in Bethel, and we know the whole encounter he has with the Lord there, dislocated hip, and so on and so forth. He loses the battle, but he withstands the Lord. And at the end of this whole encounter, he recognized, I just wrestled with God. And what does Jacob do in Genesis 28? He vows, he gives a promise to give a tenth, or the proper way of saying it is a tithe of all to the Lord after that encounter at Bethel with God. Very interesting. So he recognized, I got to give to the Lord. So we see that in Scripture. You see, I, why did I say about Abraham to Isaac to Jacob? Because you have to understand the Hebrew people. From, from the Hebrew people, you have to understand the Israelites. From the Israelites, you have to understand the children of Israel. From the children of Israel, you have to understand the Jews. Okay, they're all from the same lineage, but they're all different kinds of people. The Hebrews, somewhat different than the Jews of today. Okay? But you have to understand something in, in the midst of all of that. That to the Hebrew Israelite, to the Jew, all these things, there's one thing that's for sure in all of their lives. Stories and traditions, things of great importance were always passed down from generation to generation. Do you remember the time when they passed the Jordan? And God said, I want you to grab 12 memorial stones and I want you to place the 12 memorial stones over the Jordan. So that when your children and your children's children come, they could talk about these things. What does that mean? You're going to testify of the time that you crossed through the Jordan and I did a miracle. And not only will you testify, but your offspring will testify of what I did in their grandparents, in their great-grandparents' life. What is that? It's stories that are being told from generation to generation. Stories of importance. You get me? You're understanding the introduction so far? All right. We see that tithe and offering were considered to be one of those things that were constantly of importance and were told from generation to generation. In Leviticus 7, we also see the importance of offering. I've been mentioning tithe, I haven't mentioned offering, but we see the importance of offering. God tells Moses in Leviticus 7, I want you to tell all the children of Israel, all the Israelites, this is what they need to do. Tell them to bring their offering and offer it up to me by the mountain, the Mount of Sinai, and bring it up to me on the Mount of Sinai. And, and, and this was different. If you study Leviticus 7, you'll recognize that this is different from a giving of tithe that God is telling Moses. But he's instructing Moses and the children, um, the Israelites, to give as they're to give an offering to the Lord on Mount Sinai. Now, it's a lot. There's a lot to do with this. There's so much more that we could go into this. But I want to get into very deeper things that deals with our lives. Because I believe that who cares about your giving if your heart is not right? Who cares? You know, whatever. Let's just get into this stuff. So I want to drop this in your heart as we talk about giving for a moment. Because sometimes I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. This is not a message of I'm trying to get into your pockets. If you think that, sorry, you don't know me yet. And you don't know our church. That's not who we are. So, but this is, I want you to remember this. In Matthew 23, the Lord, uh, Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus. Matthew 23, it's the New Testament. And he's facing the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. If you remember, it's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, es the, the Essenes, um, 
uh, gosh, I just had a, whatever. There's a bunch of them, okay? And these religious leaders, specifically, especially, more better said, the Pharisees, he rebukes these religious Pharisees, these religious leaders. And he doesn't rebuke them in their tithing. If you remember Matthew 23, he actually tells them, you're doing a great job in your tithing. He goes so well to say, you even tithe the littlest of income that comes in. You're so strong in even tithing that. So what is he trying to say? You, not only do you tithe of your income, but you're tithing even of the gift that someone gives you. You're tithing from that. I mean, you're just so good at tithing. God, Jesus is like, hooray. He's, he, he tells them that. He's not rebuking them in their tithing. But he actually, what he's doing is he's telling them something different. He's, he tells them, continue in, in your tithing. But he says this to them, what good is your tithe if you ignore the more weightier matters? And what does he mean by that? Well, if you study that passage, he says, like, oh, you tithe, but where's your mercy? Because I've seen you do ministry around here and life with people, and your mercy stuff stinks. You're the man of justice, but I've seen you give ruling. I've seen you give advice and counsel, and your justice stinks. Uh, you're the man of God. You're the, you're the sons of Abraham. You're supposed to be the compassionate people. But I've done life around you guys, and I've noticed that there's not a lick of compassion in you. So what is Jesus doing? He says, you do really good in giving tithe and giving offering, but you do really bad in showing who God is manifesting through you. What does that really show you? That your giving does not reveal, your giving does not reveal that which is living inside of you. And, and, and you might be fooling people by giving so well and so good and so faithful, but in reality, I see the tree and the fruit that it's producing, and my goodness, have I tasted of it from it, and it is bitter. Do you, do you guys understand that? This is a true story in Matthew 23 between Jesus and rebuking the Pharisees. Keep giving. Don't stop giving. But my goodness, I haven't even looked at your giving. I'm not even going to honor your giving because your compassion stinks, your mercy stinks, your justice stinks. And I care more about that. Let your giving come from a place of great, deep revelation and love for me. If it's not in that, I don't care about your giving. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's what he's doing here. You see, why is he doing this to the Pharisees? Because you think, because you're a religious leader and you're a Pharisee and everyone sees you give, you think you've made it. And there's a lot of people that come into the Western Christianity and we think this automatically. I thought it when I was a young, immature Christian. I thought that when I started to tithe, I've made it. I finally growing to be a, a mature Christian. And we think that sometimes, but I don't see it like that anymore. I believe that's where you just started. That's just the beginning of a life of obedience. I don't see tithe as the place of worship before the Lord. Why did I say that? Because I've looked throughout scripture and I don't see tithe as a place of worship unto the Lord. What I do see, it's totally different. That it's just a tenth that we give unto the Lord. What I see that is different as an offering, oh, forgive me, I shouldn't have said that word, as worship before the Lord is offering. That offering is beyond the tenth. Offering is beyond the tithe. It's actually, as we've read the definition in the Greek and the Hebrew, it is a sacrifice that we bring near to the Lord, and it's a sacrificial present to the Lord. Lord, this comes from a deep place in me. That stuff, that's just the obligated act of obedience. But this stuff, this is like a deep place of my offering. You know, when you start talking like this, people that don't tithe and people don't give offerings, they get all upset about this stuff. You shouldn't be preaching. No, you don't tie. That's why you get upset at it. But, but, but this is the truth. Like, like get, this, get this teaching, get this understanding of what's happening here. Get, 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 what's, get what's going on here. Like, 
Tito said something earlier, and I was thinking about putting it in my notes, but I said, no, I already said that two weeks ago. I said that in Wednesday. I don't want to repeat myself again. But then he said it. I was like, I guess I'll just share it. And he talked about the widow with two mites that is less than the United States penny. And he gives her, he gives the penny, and he calls the disciples to himself, and all the rich and famous went in there and were dropping their checks so everyone to see, whoo, did you see that? And they're, and they're showing everyone what they're giving, so everyone could be like, wow. But then comes this humble old little widow, and she comes in, and she drops what's less than a penny, and Jesus says, come over here, i got to teach you all a lesson. And did you see what that woman just gave? I know, I can't believe she went up there and gave such little, and all these people were giving thousands and hundreds of thousands and maybe even millions. He says, right, and who do you think gave more? Obviously the millionaire, and Jesus says, no. The woman that gave less than a U.S. penny gives more. Why? Because out of her all she gave what does that mean they gave from their abundance she gave from a place of offering that it came from sacrifice guys in a second now i'm going to drop this whole message on you and say this has nothing to do with money this has everything to do with how you live your life do you live your life with all to the lord or do you say no i just give him a tenth of my worship and for some of us it's just sundays from 10 to 12 and sometimes we go long so we're here to one and we say no that's that's it and God's like, no, that's just a tenth, a tithe of who you are. I want an offering. I want you to come to me with sacrifice. Sorry for spitting all over the place. <laughs> sacrifice. With, with all of yourself, right? With all of yourself. Poor Yen. Yen, pobrecita. So sorry. Hallelujah. So a tie of the tenth from its origin in Scripture, we can say it's obligated unto the Lord in our obedience, but an offering is through, listen to this, is through revelation that a tithe doesn't necessarily belong to the Lord, but that my complete sacrifice and giving, my full offering belongs to the Lord. My tithe, seriously, I do tithe. My, me and my wife tithe our church tithes as a whole, actually. We tithe to another church. Amen. But my tithe physically does not belong to the Lord. I understand that everything belongs to the Lord because the scripture says that not even tomorrow is promised to us. My next paycheck is not promised. But let's talk about our spiritual life. I know that not a portion of me belongs to the Lord. I know that giving myself Sunday mornings from this time to this time doesn't belong to the Lord. No, no, it should be even when no one is seen. Right? It should be even with those that I'm more loose in front of. It should be in front of friends and family. All of myself, all of yourself should belong to the Lord. Can you guys say amen to that? Hopefully, you're, hopefully you agree with me. If not, it'll be a fun week. Hopefully, this changes the way that we give. And then I guess to get into this stuff, hopefully this changes the way that we live. Let me read it one more time. Let's put it back up, oh, Moody. Can we be accustomed to be living a life of a tithe in which we give just a tenth to the Lord, but we think, just as in monetary forms, that the tithe is obedience, offering, sacrifice, even our giving to the Lord, but in reality, it's the offering and not the tithe that is a true act and the true expression of worship. I needed to go into the somewhat of a summary of the biblical teaching of tithe and offering so that you could understand what I mean by the spiritual state of tithe and offering. So does the Lord want to take us from a place that, that we're not just giving him a tithe of our lives and look at it as our offering, our sacrifice, our all to him, but that we get this revelation, that we get this truth inserted in us, poured into us, that our true expression of worship 
is not just giving some of us, a portion of us, in this teaching a tenth of us, of our lives, or even of our finances, but that the true expression of worship is found in the offering. And this is what I wrote next. And that is when we bring ourselves near, as we've defined it, and when we present ourselves before the Lord as a living sacrifice unto him. That's special. Think about these statements for a second. Does this sound right to you? Lord, here is my offering, all of me. Does that sound right? I would say, yeah, all of me. Here's my offering, all of me, Lord. Think about if we say it this way, because we're talking about the true expression of worship. Listen to this. Here is my true expression of worship, Lord. A tenth of me. A tithe of me. Does that sound right? No. Many of you are saying no. Many of you are in your head. Many of you are scared to even answer. But if you answer no, and deep down inside you know the answer is no. Like this is a great moment just to examine yourself. And say, how do you present yourself before the Lord? Lord, here I am. All tenth of me. <laughs> you got him. You got him good there. That doesn't sound right. But this is what sounds right. Here is my true expression of worship. And this is what is important. I offer all of me as a living sacrifice, as a breathing sacrifice unto you. Have your way. Totally different. So my thoughts went into this. Maybe the tithe was given so that in walking in the obedience, the law of tithe, we would finally be gripped with his greater law. Because remember, the Old Testament was the tenth tithe, and that was the law of tithe. But in the New Testament, we're no longer under the, that law. We're under a greater law. So what happens if there's a greater law compared to the other law? There's a greater law and there's a lesser law. The greater law, if a, <laughs> if a lesser law says, hey, give ten, the greater law probably says what? Give, yeah, give more than ten. Give more than ten. So we have to be very careful when we start judging that stuff. So give more of yourself. Here it is. Maybe, maybe walking this obedience, the law of tithe, we would finally be gripped with his greater law. Listen, don't miss this. Gripped, or don't twist what I'm trying to say. Gripped with the truth, right? We've been using the word revelation today. Gripped with the revelation that giving is not just a tenth or a tithe, but giving is a full-out offering in greater love that moves us to stand before him as his offering and as his living sacrifice, giving him full lordship to do as he desires, how he desires, and when he desires. Who speaks like that? Living offerings. When, Tom, when we're eating dinner on Sunday night with Tom, and he says things like this, his wife has leukemia, for goodness sakes, and he says things like, you know, we've been walking with the Lord a long time, and we know that at the end of this, God will be glorified. Who says things like that? It's people that live their lives as an offering before the Lord. There's no way that if Tom lived a tithe to the Lord, he said, God, there's no way someone like that will talk like that. They'd be panicking. They'd be worried. They'd be losing faith. They'd be mad at God. They'd be bitter. They'd be upset because 90% of themselves is not worshiping God. So the 90% will overwhelm the 10% that is. So they're going to activate when their wife has leukemia in the 90% because it's going to overwhelm the 10. But when the 100% sits before me in dinner and says, the Lord will be glorified in this, I look at that and I say, he's not operating in a tent. He's operating before the Lord as an offering, a living sacrifice. And what came out of his mouth in such a hard trial was, may the Lord be glorified. It overwhelmed the 10% lifestyle. It overwhelmed the 10% lifestyle. 
man, I, I should go into like what 10% lifestylers do. The stuff that they do, the stuff that they complain about, the stuff that they say, the stuff that they mimic about, the stuff that they point at. The stuff, and then I should talk about what the, what the people that live in offerings, what they do and how they operate. And that's what God is calling us to. A deeper operation in offering. Just offer yourselves fully to me. Giving him lordship. How he desires, when he desires, as he desires. And that will never happen if it's just a tenth of us. Because then I ask that question. Who then is the Lord of the other 90% of your lives? You know what I'm talking Guys, come on. You know what I'm saying? We all have friends and family that only go to church and, and do holy sacraments when it's Easter and when it's Christmas and when it's, the, and it's like that's their duty. And we're not bashing them. Thank God they went. But that's what I'm talking about. That's not the only thing that God is pleased with. He doesn't want you to come on a, on a, on a holy or a holiday. He wants every day to be a holiday, a holy day. And, and, that, and, and, and not only that, but, but it could maybe poke at us a little bit about where we're at coming faithfully. One more time. I don't know if I'll say it again, but probably will. And we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians. Can we be accustomed to be living a life of a tithe in which we give just a tenth to the Lord, where we think just as in monetary forms that the tithe is obedience, offering, sacrifice, are given to the Lord, and in reality it's the offering, not the tithe, that is a true act, true expression of worship. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And um, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. We're going to have some fun here real quick. And um, this passage, is, I, I believe, is going to bless you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> and let's go through 1, 1 through 8. You there? Amen. Amen. All right, it says here. Now, um, I'll read from the NLT here for a moment. Verse 1. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Let's pause. Let's have a little quiz here. Pop quiz. Ready? Who is Paul writing to? The church in where? In Corinth. Don't get confused with Macedonia. All right? He's talking about the church of Macedonia to the church of Corinth. What is he doing? I'm going to compare some people. <laughs> Paul's about to compare some churches. Watch this. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God is in kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Let me give you an update of what's happening to the Macedonian churches. Verse 2. They are being tested by many troubles, comma, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overwhelmed in rich generosity. Seriously, pause on that for a moment. What do you get from that church in Macedonia? They're, they're very poor. They're going through a lot of troubles. But what does Paul say? They're filled with an overflowing joy. That's crazy. Because right then and there, when Paul writes that and says, these people are struggling, these people are being tested, these people are also poor, but yet there's an overflowing joy, I, I could tell you that they're operating in something that I desire. Or they're a family that I want to be a part of. Because I want what they have. Because how do you have joy in poorness? How do you have joy in suffering? And the church of Macedonia got the answer. They got it. And I feel that Paul is writing this to the church of Corinth because Corinth hadn't gotten it yet. So he's like, Macedonia got it. When are you going to get it? So he's telling the church of Corinth, Macedonia is being tested just like you are. So stop. I'm thinking Paul, like a father, is saying things like this. I got your letters. I know you're struggling. I know they just killed some of your family members. I get what you're going through. But let me tell you a story about Macedonia. <laughs> That's what I think he's doing because he's Paul. He's going to tell Paul something. I think Paul did that. 
So he said things like, they're suffering too. They're poorer than you are, but yet that has not stopped them from flowing with an abundant joy. Do you get that? Because in your suffering and your poorness, it can rob our joy. But that doesn't mean that it should rob your joy. So he says also that they have not stopped. It has overflowed in rich generosity. That phrase is in richly giving. They're richly giving. And I, I'm not lying. You could come and look at my notes. All I wrote in caps was W-O-W explanation point three times or four times. Wow. Because in their poorness and in their suffering, they're overflowing with joy. And from that place, there is an abundance even in rich generosity. Look at verse 3. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it, this is so important, of their own free will. Something happened to them. Something was revealed to them. Something was moved inside of them. And from that place, it said, I'm going to give from my own free will. What does that mean? I don't need no pastor, no deacon, no apostle. I don't need anyone in my church leadership to tell me how I'm going to give. This comes from my own free will. I'm going to give my own free will offering to the Lord. And that's what Paul is writing. Paul is writing, they gave from a deeper place, a richer place, from their own free will. An offering, a free will offering. What does a free will offering mean? It is not forced. It is not manipulated. We are not that people, and I am not that person, and you should never be that person. We're not going to manipulate. I know it is to go to a church service, and they tell me to turn to Psalm 119, verse 5, and they tell me to write a check for $119.05, and then I'm going to be blessed by the Lord. That's manipulation over your money. Okay? <laughs> it's totally different. We're not doing that here. What I'm talking about is... A free will offering, not forced, not manipulated, but the spirit of the living God has moved me inside to give and to give richly even when I feel like I don't have. What does that kind of stuff? I think it's the people that are operating in 100% offering and not living a lifestyle of 10%, 10% tithe. That's what I feel. And it says, he says, not manipulated, but the believers from Macedonia, they gave far more from a place in which the church in Corinth started, but yet they were failing and they didn't finish and then didn't continue. They had not yet been able to operate in. And I understand that the believers in Macedonia were gripped with great revelation that other believers had not yet received. So their giving did not come from a place of obligation or obedience in just giving a tithe or obligation of giving an offering. But it came from being gripped before standing before the Lord Jesus Christ as an offering of a living sacrifice unto him. So now their lives and even their monetary giving exemplified this gripped lifestyle of fully offering up. So like I said earlier, let me read this one more time. Maybe the tithe was given so that in walking in the obedience of the law of tithe, we would finally be gripped with a greater law, gripped with this revelation that giving is not just a tenth or a tithe, but giving is a full-out offering and greater love that moves us to stand before him as his offering and as his living sacrifice, giving him full lordship to do as he desires, how he desires, and when he desires. I hope you're getting this teaching today. What does Paul continue to write? Let's go to verse 4. This is Paul, and he's still writing to Corinth about Macedonia. Are you with me? Verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They wanted to keep giving, and they wanted to give into the, the, the believers in Jerusalem who were really being afflicted. Verse 5. They even did more than what we had hoped. 
For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. I mean, I read verse 4 and 5 and, of course, 1, 2, and 3. And all I could, I actually wrote this question, but I don't know if I should say it as a question or as a statement. I see the grace in their lives that is manifested in offering. I see it. I see that it even moves Paul the Apostle to write about it. I see that it even moves the church of Corinth to read about it and to examine their lives about it. And then here we are some 2,000 years later, and I see it that we still have churches that are reading this stuff and applying it to our lives. That's powerful. You know that stuff about your life echoes? It's, it's echoing still. They're not here anymore. But it's echoing on the land still. It's, it's crazy because there's a grace in this Macedonian church that is manifested in their offering. And Paul is exhorting here. He's encouraging the Corinthian church to do well in their giving. You have, li- listen to what, some of the things that he's going to say in verse 6, 7, and 8. He's basically going to tell them this now. You have gifted speakers. You have great knowledge. And there's a lot of that around. There's a lot of places around with great speakers and great knowledge. You have great speakers. You have great knowledge. And you're filled even with great enthusiasm. But now it's time that you excel in the gracious act of giving. I promise you I did not make that up. Let's go to verse, let's go to verse 6 for a moment. So, so he's going to go on now in verse 6. And he's going to continue to tell them, I'm testing how genuine. Listen how firm Paul is. This is nothing about me. This is if you're, It's Paul's preaching. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. That's awesome. Let's read. So, verse 6. So we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and to encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. What happened to you? Look at verse 7. Oh, God, did this really take me? Verse 7 took me this week to a whole bunch of places which maybe I shouldn't even go to today, but... Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love from us, but look what he says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Verse 8, I'm not, doesn't it sound like he's commanding them? Sure does sound like you're commanding me, Paul. Verse 8, he's like, just in case you read this and you thought I was commanding you. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing you. I mean, Paul just has a way of saying things. I'm not commanding you, but I'm going to put the ruler over you, and I want to test you. (laughs) So good. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Like, come on, if Paul was living today in 2018, we're still in 2018, correct? Yeah. If Paul is living today in 2018 and he's the guest speaker of this church and he were to make this statement, many of you would get offended by Paul. Because many of you have gotten offended with way less than this. And Paul just said something that many of us, many of us, let me put me in that category because I pointed at you like if it's only you. Many of us would be offended at this. And Paul says, I'm not commanding you, but I'm testing how genuine your love is. And how are you going to do that, Paul? I'm going to compare you with the eagerness of the other churches. That's so crazy. So for so many years, I've been hearing people say, stop comparing yourself to other churches. What do I say now? Stop stop comparing yourself to other churches. What 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 do I do? I'm just asking because I don't know. I thought you would have an answer for me. What do I do? 
because there are other churches that I've stepped into that look greater than this that I've, that I've almost thrown up. But then there are other churches that look just like this. And I said, I want the move of God that they have in our family. So what do I do? Yeah. Lord. You know, I know that's biblical now. Because I remember when I was 19 years old, young out of high school. And you've heard this prayer. And I was praying in the back of a, of a powerful youth service that we had. Pastor Leo, I was on my knees. You guys know the story. I'm sorry for repeating it so much. Pastor Leo comes out of nowhere, and, he, and out of nowhere, God told him what I was praying. And he, 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 I'm praying, Lord, use me like he, you use him. Use me like you use him. And out of nowhere, he kneels right next to me and says, Lord, you give him a double anointing than what I have, and you take him to greater places than what I have. And I took that, and I said, Lord, I received that, what he just said. What was I doing? I myself was comparing myself to someone else. It wasn't controlling me, but... But from a godly vision, from a godly perspective, I said, I want what they have. We see that all over scripture, that people would look up to other people and say, I want what you have. Oh, that's not true, Pastor. That You shouldn't be preaching that. So then you explain to me what Elisha told Elijah. I want what you have. And what? And what? And I'm not going to let go of you until you give it to me. You explain to me what Jacob told the man he was wrestling with. Yes. I want what you have. And he did not leave him until he received the blessing that he was. What was it? Your name shall now be called Israel, and you will fulfill the promises that I gave your father's father, and that is y'all make you man. I mean, this stuff can't be made up. So if I'm going to compare myself to anyone, I want to compare myself to the ones that are moving and operating in the grace manifestation of offering. I think I said it right. I want to be amongst the people that live as a full-out offering, not something that looks good, and they're giving a tenth. But something that is a full-out offering. An awe of themselves. So we could see that Corinth was doing a good job in many things. Many things, right? Faith, good teachers, good enthusiasts, all these things. Many things they were doing good. But Paul was instructing them to go deeper. Examine yourselves and realize that there is more in you to give. And there's more that should come from you. Can I pause and speak to you? Hopefully, I'm most of your pastors. But can I talk to you for a second and say this? Can I speak into your life and ask you this question? Is there more in you that you know needs to be given? Answer that. And today, make that decision and say, I'm going to give it all. As a what? As a what? As a living offering unto the Lord. Brother, I don't know what's going to come out of this. But God would be glorified. <laughs> That's kind of stuff. A living offering. Full out sacrifice unto the Lord. So really examine yourself and say, is there more in you to give? Because that's what Paul was doing to Corinth. So that's what I'm going to do to the Hialean church. I'm going to write a book to the church of the Hialeans. <laughs> First Hialeans chapter 1. That's a beautiful thing. If you study scripture, do you, uh, man, I'm going sidetracked, but I feel like I'm with family today. Do you know that in, in, um, in Capernaum, to the church of Capernaum, but do you know that don't feel just because you're not a Hialean that this is not home. Do you know that people from all over regions will go to Capernaum to see what God was doing in Capernaum, and they wanted to touch from that what's happening in Capernaum. So we're honored that if you come from other places, I want to have family with those people. It doesn't matter. I mean, the spirit of the living Lord. So, so Corinth, you're doing a good job in many things, but, but examine yourselves. Is there more that could come from you? All right, um, worship team, stretch, and let's get ready to close this thing off. And, and here we go. Romans chapter 12, 1. Famous, famous passage. Romans 12, 1. Ready? It'll come up on the screen. 
It says, and so, my dear brothers, how many of you have read this passage before? I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you, let them be a living and let it be a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Another translation says, this is your reasonable service. How many of you have read this before? None of you have. One of you? Praise God. We're going to have to start heavy discipleship here. Let it be a living and holy sacrifice, kind, the, one that, the kind that he finds acceptable. Isn't that crazy? That, what, is, what does Paul mean by this? There are some that come to him that he doesn't find acceptable. And there are some that he says, yes, come, I find you acceptable. Can it, can it be that our gripped lifestyle in Romans 12.1, I, I hope that you understand that phrase, gripped lifestyle, from me preaching it for five weeks. Like, man, what does he mean by gripped lifestyle? There's like six messages on gripped that you got to go back and listen to. Can it be that our gripped in our lifestyle of Romans 12.1 is not permitted or experienced until we move from a tithe lifestyle to an offering? Could it be that Romans 12.1 will not be allowed, experienced, until we move from tithe to offering? A life, life that doesn't just give a part to God. It's so important you pay attention but a life which is wholly devoted to God. Who are you? Who am I? Who are we? Are we a church that is fully devoted to God, or are we a church that is partly devoted to God? Are you a people that is fully or partly? An offering, a giving from a place of sacrifice, not compartmentalizing, but fully offering it all to him. In this Christian walk, there is no compartmentalizing. You don't say this segment belongs to God and the other sections do not. It all belongs to our Lord. Amen? Amen. So I guess I'll end with this. Maybe. Maybe I'll end with this. So here's a cool thought that I had. Here's a cool thought. I thought about God's creation, seven days. I thought about today. It's kind of like our Sabbath. Right? You know, it's a Sunday. But we've made it like our Sabbath in a sense. Not strict, but... We get together in the house of the Lord and worship together. So here's a thought I had. He made seven days. Everyone say seven days. days. And one day was to be holy. Correct? One day was to be set apart. And that was the Sabbath. That day was specifically given to the Lord. If you've ever studied the Sabbath, it was a day of rest unto the Lord. So what does everyone do on that day? If you went to Israel with us, you got to experience the religiosity and the dumbness behind the Sabbath ritual. And the Sabbath tradition. You got to see it. So what do we do on the Sabbath? Well, everyone stops what they're doing from all the other six days that they're accustomed to do. And what do they do? This day is set aside from the other six days. So what do you do on that day? Nothing but think about God. Sure. You know, God created seven days. He made one to be holy and set apart. And I don't believe that's what the Lord intended or or long-term wanted and intended when he did that. I don't believe that at all because I believe Scripture teaches us that that's not what he wanted to do. Here it is. Ready? Here's the stuff that goes on in my brain. Maybe it's that the Sabbath was given to walk in the obedience in it or of it. In order, I'm, I'm not using that word revelation lightly, right, especially now. In order that you might get that revelation that it's not just in tithing or in giving a day where the Lord is pleased. But in your greater offering that will actually manifest in each and every other day of the week. 
So maybe the Sabbath was given, not so that you could keep the Sabbath holy, but that you understand what that stuff is about. So then your other six days are even greater than that Sabbath holy day that you set apart. But that would never happen if you set apart an object, a, a day, better said, rather than setting yourself apart. You see, you can set, you can set the Sabbath apart, but the reason why I wanted you to be obedient in walking in the set-apart Sabbath is so that you could get the understanding, the revelation, that it's not the Sabbath that was supposed to be set apart, that in walking in it, now you come out of the Sabbath on the next day and you walk apart. You're holy because of what happened on the Sabbath. Maybe you didn't catch that. It makes sense here. It might not be making sense yet how it's coming out. But I promise you it makes total sense in here. You, you worried so much about setting that day apart, which I did for you, so when you come out of it, you're the one that's set apart from all the other days. So you walk in day one, two, three, four, five, and six in greater manifestations than you did on day seven, the Sabbath, because of the work that's happening there. It's just like this day. It's just like Sunday. Your holiest day should not be Sunday. Shame on us if it is. If this is your holiest day, you're walking the walk wrong. You made this a Sabbath. You made this a holy day. And you didn't make yourself a holy person. Because what happens on Tuesday evening? I can't wait for Sunday. Why? He's there Tuesday evening. He's there Thursday morning. He's there Friday mid-morning. He's there for your Saturday girlfriend cup of tea day as well. He's there every single day. What do I do? Give it to him. Manifest the Sabbath in you. Because the Sabbath is no longer that. The Sabbath is that which now lives in me. And that which comes out from me. So here it is. People that couldn't walk or live as an offering each day, but just strictly gave a tenth or a day like the Sabbath. Please, guys, don't. This day of observance to the Lord as high importance, we would eventually know them as religious. Me and Angel had talks about this when we went to Israel. We would know them as the religious people. Maybe I'll say it again. People that couldn't walk or live as an offering each day, but just strictly gave a tithe of their life on a day a day of observance to the Lord, like the Sabbath, as high importance, we know them as religious, and they're still around today, not just in Jesus' day, we saw them, and we still see them here in our own city. We still see them within our own family. They're still around today, that like the Pharisees and all the religious, all the other religious sects in Jerusalem, people that give themselves as a tithe, just a day, it's just, oh, you eventually will show fruit that you're a Pharisee. It's just a religious person who shows no fruit that God is in them, but yet you know the laws of the Word of God and the things of the Word of God, but yet there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you and convicting you and moving you to love on people, compassion and mercy, right? But the people that give themselves as an offering, as a full sacrifice, as a present unto the Lord, those now we recognize them as disciples. They're the body of the church. They're the body. They're the church. They are the bride of Christ. So here it is. 
Can we be accustomed to be living a life of a tithe? When we give just a tenth to the Lord and we think just like in money that the tithe is obedience, offering, sacrifice, and are giving to the Lord. But in reality, it is the offering, not the tithe, my offering to you that is my true expression of worship. And what is my offering to you, Lord? It is my complete offering awe and sacrifice to my beloved have not just a tenth of me but have all of me and let it burn in this world that's it the offering would become alive in me and the tenth the tithe would die so i end with luke 9 23 1 corinthians 6 hebrews 12 what do these passages what do these words mean to you seriously i'm done what do these words mean to you let's just read them together what do these words mean to you? Ready? Luke 9, 23, the passion says it this way. Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. What does that mean to you? What's that stuff mean to you? How about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20? What does this stuff mean to you? Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of your sanctuary. You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. What does that stuff mean to you? That stuff doesn't sound like a tithe. That doesn't sound like a tenth. Let's read Hebrews. We've, we're very familiar with Hebrews 12. We've preached it and we've quoted it so many times here. Hebrews 12, 25, New Living says it this way. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, they, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Next verse. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. Let's keep going. This means that all of creation will be shaken and be removed. So that only the unshakable things will remain. I want to be an unshakable thing. Let's keep going. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, we're unshakable because it's unshakable. Let us be thankful and let us please God by worshiping Him. Does this sound like a tithe? With holy fear and awe, with reverence, with fear and trembling. Should we read the next one? Verse 29. Why? Why should I do that? Verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. It's a consuming fire. A devouring fire. Look how, look how um, the Passion puts 28 and 29. It says it this way. Since we're receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful. And we should offer God, offering to God, the purest worship that delights his heart. As we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy, devouring fire. I am done.
can stand with me if you want. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. The day that you've given us. The day in which you've richly blessed us. So much has come out within two hours here that it's overwhelming. I leave here sometimes just in awe with what you speak over us to Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for this word. As you're calling us not to live a a life of a tithe, but a life of offering, a full-out present sacrifice unto you, full-out awe and offering unto you. I pray, Lord God, that 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 would manifest in us the grace be manifested in offering. Fall upon that, Lord. Lord, thank you for the for the depth of your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Lord, that we would not take it lightly. But as we threw out that challenge that each one of us would examine and that we would recognize for ourselves if we would see that there is more in us to give to you. Maybe there's some of us in here that are just giving a tenth. Maybe some of us are giving half. But Lord, you're calling every single one of us to give their full amount. That their lives, that their mind, their heart, their soul would be a living sacrifice, an offering unto you. And that you would uh, just take over their lives and that we never be the same again. Lord, we love you for what you've done, for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Can you give God some praise there?